What's so special about a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes? Luke chapter 2. I hope you got the theme from uh, this year's Christmas play, that the star of Christmas is not us. It's that baby in the manger. But I want to talk about the way that a present is wrapped is kind of important. Uh, Luke chapter 2, look at verse 7 real quick here. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I think it's still true today that the gift inside the wrapping paper is usually far more valuable than the wrapping paper. Isn't that true? At least you would hope so. (laughs) But my grandmother went to extraordinary efforts to super specially wrap each and every gift that I, my brothers, and my sister got every Christmas. Now, we usually got shirts and socks and pants and sometimes shoes and even a toy here and then. We were rich. But my grandmother's wrapping made the gift at Christmas priceless. It felt priceless to us. Now, my mother would even make us slow down at Christmas and be very careful opening the gift so that she could keep the wrapping paper for next year. How many had parents like that? How many had parents like that? Come on, we weren't the only ones I know. Uh, My mother's still that way. She's 84 years old. But you know, I'm telling you, my grandmother's care greatly affects me still today. Because I've discovered that my grandmother was a lot like God, who himself carefully, purposely, marvelously wrapped his Christmas gift to show the whole world just how priceless the gift inside truly is. Father, would you please bless the preaching of your word as we finish and wrap up this Christmas play. Thank you for everybody being here. Thank you for Christmas. I pray that, Lord, you'd work in every heart. Please stop us from following the world, all the stress and the pressure and missing everything. Help us to listen this morning, this morning now to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, move right on here. Let's read just verses 1 to 7 in chapter 2. See the background here. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Now, he was the Roman emperor. He was king of the world at that time. And he said that all the world should be taxed. You notice how things haven't changed. Everybody gets into power, and all they want to do is add more taxes. Verse 2. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Instead of the census people coming and finding you, you had to go to where you were, had been born. Verse 4, Joseph went up from Galilee and out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them them in the inn. So I want you to think about this for a minute. For them, this was no easy experience. The first Christmas was no fun, okay? It was, as a matter of fact, it was quite arduous and it was painful. I mean, think about the oppressive taxation of that day. When, when, when Caesar says, oh, let's just tax the whole world, I mean, he meant it. He wanted every penny. Th- 
Think about the stress of traveling while she's very pregnant. Think about being turned away when, she, when Joseph came to his own hometown and every place is full and even the, the hotel, the local inn, turned him away. Think of the stress and then the childbirth itself. Now, I have no comprehension of that. But this was a very painful experience. They were in a peculiar place. There it says she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, all right? Now, this is not the normal place that you would want a mother to have a baby. This was not in Mary's home. Every, I don't know, any normal woman who's having her baby, especially her first one or two, if not all, would like to have mom around, would like to have sisters and family around, but she has nobody around. This is a very strange place to her. Her home was up in Nazareth. They had had to leave that place, and here they were. And even in Joseph's own hometown of, of Bethlehem, they're not welcome. They're not in a hospital. They're in a barn or a cave. Let that sink in. This is a peculiar place they're in. But it was all prepared by God. Galatians 4.4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. At the very precise time, God sent His Son. Everything that was going on, as we may look at it, was tragic, was awful, was a disaster. If you, if you go somewhere, and, and Nita and I, when we were traveling last year, we had to go around to several churches in the States. It, it, we got into some towns, and we were traveling. We were tired, and I went up, and this is true. We went up, went up to the desk of the hotel and says, we need a room for tonight, and they went, awful. And I went, say that again? <laughs> says, we have no room. I said, we've just been traveling for nine hours. She, and, and the person behind the desk would say, and there's not going to be a room for the next 30 miles. <laughs> I know how it feels. You would think that was a disaster, but that wasn't the only one. This young couple had experienced a rushed wedding. <laughs> there's no getting around it. Mary had instantly become pregnant, and Joseph had to marry her. It was over. They had, they had to get married right away, and that was rough on them. None of their family had any understanding. The only person that really understood was Elizabeth. Remember when Elizabeth saw her and the babe leapt in her womb, John the Baptist in there? Even, But I want you to say that was God. And, and, and when, when taxes go up and the economy goes down, it's God, folks. You can blame the politicians, and we should, but uh, you can blame the economy, blame everything, but you know the person that's behind it all, who's got everything under control, is God. And he's the one that gave Caesar Augustus the idea, I think I'll tax the whole world. <laughs> that was of God. Consider the long journey. I mean, I wouldn't want, uh, I mean, this, this, this woman who's very pregnant, riding on a donkey, I don't know. It's 60 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. How far do you want to ride on a donkey being pregnant? Do you know what the Bible said? Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. There in Micah 5.2, it says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of villages in Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting. That was written 450 years prior. So they had to get to Bethlehem. The timing of the birth, folks, the baby couldn't be born a day earlier, couldn't be born a day later. It had to be right at the exact time. 
And really, honestly, the timing of a baby is never right. Most of our kids were born between the time of 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. I don't understand that. <laughs> they just don't come when you want them. But Jesus' birth was spot on. And the rejection of the innkeeper, you say, what a mean old man. Probably, yeah. But it was God coordinating everything so that they had to go out and to a place where Jesus would be born in a manger. It was all God's doing. But maybe the most important of all, as poor as all of these things seem to be, God even planned the wrapping of the gift. Now, I bet most of us, we live in the 21st century. We spend, we spend too much time trying to get the gift, and then we get home, we go, now i got to wrap it. But with God, he put just as much care in the wrapping of the gift as he did in the giving of the gift. It's absolutely fantastic. Let me tell you about the wrapping of the baby Jesus. Number one, it was assigned to the shepherds. Look at verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. They were terrified. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this, and he's speaking to shepherds, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, just stop there for a second. I want you to think, these are Bethlehem shepherds. These aren't poor shepherds. We think that shepherds are kind of like the lowest on the, on the economy, uh, on the workforce. You know, they're just above rubbish collectors. But these were Bethlehem shepherds. They were uh, Levitical shepherds who were specially trained to care for and nurture baby lambs for one purpose. It was for the worship of God at the temple and the sacrifice of those lambs just seven miles away. Two lambs every day were to be brought, one first in the morning and one at the sunset. And it was to constantly remind people of the price of their sin. Sometimes we get very, we get very numb to the cost of our sin. We say something, we do something, we, we take something uh, that, that, uh, from somebody, we hurt somebody else, and then we go on our way, and we don't even realize how much we may hurt them. But when we see an innocent lamb die in our place, it reminds us, that's how awful my sin is. So twice a day, those lambs were brought for the sins of the people. Now, these shepherds had the awesome task of at the birth of a baby lamb, they would check it out and they would make sure there was, there was nothing out of place. There was no blemishes, there were no scars, there was no um, uh, bruises, there was no spots. So it could be perfect substitutes. So when, when the angel says, there's a new baby born, that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't interest them. And, and folks, there are babies born all the time. It'd be, it's always nice when a baby's born, but to them, they're like, we've got sheep to watch. But they, they gave, they, uh, the angels let them know a prophecy was being fulfilled. As a matter of fact, still in the book of Micah, chapter 4, verse 8, it says, And thou, listen to these words, O tower of the flock. There's a watchtower there. I'll tell you about it. The stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion or the, or the highest dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter Jerusalem. That may not sound like much to you, but the tower of the flock was a particular, it wasn't a very tall watchtower, but it was a watchtower 
just outside of Bethlehem, where shepherds would watch over their flocks 24 hours a day. And just at the base of that watchtower were small caves and, and barns where baby lambs were born, particularly for the temple. So here, Micah prophesied that God's kingdom would start not in the palace, but in a barn amongst baby lambs. So here is a baby who was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now that got their attention because swaddling is what, what they did to baby lambs when they were born. When a, when a, when a, when a lamb was born, it was shivering. I mean, it was a cold world, all right? And that baby lamb would just, just shiver. And you didn't just drop it on the floor and then go to the next lamb or whatever. They took that lamb and they would bind up the feet and they would tie, tie it up and let it feel safe. And then they would take this nicely, warmly, snugly wrapped lamb and they would lay it in a manger. Now, normally the manger is a feeding trough where animals would come and they would, they would eat or they would have water. But during the time of lambing and during the time when, when baby lambs were, were born, they would place the lambs in that trough where it was nice and dry with the hay and it kept them still and they, they, they felt safe until they were able to stand on their own. These baby lambs, they did that because if they just let that lamb start walking around on its flimsy little legs, it would fall over, it would bump into things, then it would get blemished. It couldn't have a single spot on its white wool. It couldn't have any scars. It could have no bruises. So they protected that little lamb. So they had to wrap them in these swaddling clothes. So they got the attention of these shepherds. And then this, this, they were going to find a babe lying still and quiet in a manger, which is another amazing sign because that's exactly, that tells them exactly where to find this baby. They were, they were not going to the hospital or going into a home. They said a manger, the only place where the manger is where lambs are born. So this tiny, delicate baby who had been born was placed in the same place where lambs had just been birthed a few days earlier. Now, this was no screaming baby, all right? Notice uh, uh, the, the kind of wrapping that, uh, uh, that was used was called swaddling clothes. Now, it's been used throughout history to calm newborns so that they rested on their mother's arms instead of constantly crying out for attention. When, when you take a newborn baby straight out of the womb, it's a cold world. And you, you take that baby from the snugness of that womb and you just let them flail their, their arms, they panic like you would. So they would wrap them snugly up. And we still do it. It's called a receiving blanket. When the baby is born, you wrap them up tight and you warm them up and you put them in the mom's arms and everything. But here they wrap them up with the same materials that they wrapped up those baby lambs to protect them. I read how American Indians wrap up their newborns because uh, they lived and died on, in, in the plains and in the, in the fields. And so at night, marauding Indian tribes would, would sneak. And the way to keep uh, the other Indians from finding your camp was you had to keep everybody quiet. And if you got a newborn baby, it's hard to keep them quiet. So they would wrap them up so they felt safe and they would be calm. And here was baby Jesus, quiet. And when you think of swaddling, that's the same word. We still use the word swatch, like fabric swatches. I bet only Celine knows that phrase now. And 
swatch cloths and swaths. He's talking about a long, he cut a long swath in, in the field. Well, it just means long strips of, of uh, cloth. And that special wrapping was five amazing things. It was a poor man's cloth. Jesus was not wrapped in silk blanket at his birth, but in strips of old cloth. It was a chosen wrap. To identify the baby as the perfect lamb that had no spot or blemish. If those um, shepherds came in, they're looking for a baby wrapped like the baby lambs had been, and when they found it, they go, well, that's what we do to perfect lambs. He must be a perfect lamb. It's a chosen wrap. It's also a binding wrap. When you, when you do put this around the baby, the baby is bound, which, which tells you that Jesus' life was bound for a singular purpose. He did not have his will like you and I do. He came, I did, he came saying, I came not to do my own will, but his that sent me. So he's bound. It's a burial wrap as well. These same type of claws not only were used to wrap up these, these uh, baby lambs and also to wrap up newborn infants, but was also used to wrap up people when they were buried. Jesus was dressed up for death from the moment he was born. But best of all, it was a priceless gift wrap. I guarantee you, those Levitical shepherds were gobsmacked looking at this brand new baby lamb. Not just a baby lamb either, but the Lamb of God, the final lamb, born in the very place that was prophesied where sacrificial lambs would be born. Now, not only was this a sign to the shepherds, but it was shouted from the heavens. Look at verse 13. And suddenly, just as soon as this was told that you're going to find this baby, then the angels, there was with the angel, a whole multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, I know on Christmas morning, your kids are going to be excited. They're going to open the presents. They're going to be so excited. They're going to be shouting and running around the house. I know all that. But that's what the angels were doing. At the unwrapping of the gift of God for mankind. They shouted from the heavens. I mean, there are a lot of angels up there. And they were all praising God. It must have been overwhelming. I've been in stadiums. You ever been in a sport, sports stadium and the singing and the, the banging on the stadium floor and everything? It rattles. You feel it. It must have been awesome for those shepherds to hear and see and feel the moment of all of that attention going on that baby. But this is the amazing thing. It was a bold statement to the world. Look at verse 10. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse, yeah, verse 10. For, for, the, for the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I, it's such a bold statement that, it's, that this baby, this gift, now I've never seen it where one gift can go to everybody. I mean, you give one gift to somebody and you give a gift to somebody else, but this one gift went to you and you and you and you and you and you more than we could ever imagine. It's a bold statement that a Savior is born. Think about that word for a minute. The very Messiah that the world is still looking for. They look Every time you elect somebody to office, 
in politics, you think maybe they'll do it, and they don't. Maybe they'll fix things, and they don't. But you know, we're, we yearn for somebody who'll do something, who'll fix this world, who'll bring in justice, who'll who, stop the wars. What is that? That's the Messiah. Someone, however, who will finally pay off all our sin debt. Priest can't do it. Pastor can't do it. Prince can't do it. And an entertainer, a performer can't do it. Savior can. Savior is someone who willingly gives his life for mine. Savior is someone who will love the sinner and sacrifice himself to save them. Save even me. Savior is someone who would finally and fully save any and all who would just believe on him. Think about Jesus walking up the Via Della Rosa, the way of the cross, going up to the top of the hill just outside of Jerusalem. When he got up there, he willingly laid down his arms. He didn't fight. He didn't wrestle with them. He laid down both of his arms. Those uh, centurion soldiers looking at this man laying down his life, they've never seen it before and they'll never see it afterwards. And as they raise those, um, those big mallets with those six-inch and eight-inch long nails, and they began to drive. They waited for him to scream, and he didn't scream. They waited for him to flinch, and he didn't flinch like a, dam- like a lamb, dumb before his shearers. Jesus, not saying a word, allowed them to torture and crucify him. And when that cross was, laid, was, was raised up and dropped into its hole, all Jesus could say is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That is a savior. It's a bold statement that a little baby can save the world. It's good news, amen? It's great joy. And it's for all people. You know, there's some people who go, well, that's for the religious. You're dumb. You know what it's for? It's for sinners. Well, that's for, that's for uh, those people over in the West. No, it's in Israel. It's in Africa. It's in China. The gospel is for everyone. Unto you and unto the world, even up here in Rebel Cork. That's a concluding thought. Look down there in verse 15. He says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. No one else wanted to see this baby at least, these men were excited to see him. At least they were. Why? What was it that got the shepherd's attention? Well, it was a poor man's wrap. You know, I could afford a few strips of cloth. God had given the gift, and he allowed a poor man's bit of cloth to wrap him up, and it was special. What got their attention that this was a chosen wrap that identified Jesus as the perfect lamb that had no spot or blemish. It was a binding wrap. As I said, it was bound for a particular singular purpose. It was a burial wrap. Thirty years later, they would wrap him in the same type of clothes. But all in all, it was a gift wrap, enclosing the most priceless gift. Here was not the birth of a good man or a great man or a rich man or a powerful man, but a perfect man. The only perfect man who's ever been born, a savior, capable of saving all the lost. This was the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's exactly. Now I guess I ask you to turn to First Peter and we'll be through. First Peter, back to the very right, and I'm done. First Peter chapter. One. Verse 18. 
And the shepherds ran to see the gift. I mean, it's like coming down the stairs on Christmas morning or being allowed into. When I was a kid, my parents tortured us. They would make us get fully dressed on Christmas morning. We had to get fully dressed. We had to clean our rooms. We had to have breakfast. My grandparents had to be ready to go before we were allowed to go into the room where the Christmas tree was. It was torture. You're listening to me? Well, these shepherds ran because the door was open. It says there in 1 Peter, keep going there, the angels of heaven shouted for joy. But almost no one, think about this for a minute, almost no one else cared. I mean, it's at nighttime, everybody's in bed, they're full, they've been eating, they've been feasting, they've had family time, it's been fun. So the birth of the Son of God was like, huh. The angels thought it was cool. But no one else seemed to care. But I want to say this. Isn't it amazing that people still today are sleeping through the opportunity to know and receive the greatest gift ever? There are people right now in churches all across Ireland and all over the world who are asleep. They don't realize that gift is waiting, would like to be received. God's gift is not religion. It is Jesus offering you the gift of eternal life, which is himself. You have the opportunity today to receive the gift of eternal life by faith alone, not by your good works, not by your religious efforts, not by the mass, not by accident, but by you crying out from your heart of hearts in desperation, not in flippancy. Everyone in this room would quickly pray a prayer. If I said, pray this thing, you would pray. You would say it and get it over with. But if you want to get saved this morning, if you want to receive the gift of eternal life, it's got to come from the bottom and the deepest part of your heart where you cry out, God, have mercy on me. Save me. I don't deserve such a gift, but I need it. And you'll walk out of here a born-again Christian. That's how it works, folks. Look at the Apostle Peter as he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, you weren't paid for with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by all the traditions from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Peter said that. Will you believe it today? Bow your heads with me. Father, we got to go through and see the simplicity of the Christmas story. I'm glad we kind of just got to focus on that wrapping. There in the center of everything we did this morning was a manger in the middle of that manger, in the midst of all that hay, the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's Christmas. I'm afraid there are a lot of people who've never known that, never enjoyed it, never experienced it, never, never believed it. Oh, yeah, they know it in their head. Just never changed their heart. They may be religious, good people, but they've never been born again. And only Jesus can make you born again. I can't do it. Church can't do it. Baptism can't do it. Nothing can do it. Father, just your son. Let everyone examine their heart this morning and see, am I truly born again or am I just religious? Do I really believe or do I just agree? I pray somebody gets saved this morning. I pray every Christian enjoys Christmas as Jesus. If nothing else, 
may be the best Christmas ever. In Jesus' name, amen.